It's movie time, and we're back again with movie time. Hey, y'all. How are you doing? Happy Friday. It's Friday's movie time with us, and we are here back again with an incredible episode. And as promised on our episode, tonight we have our Sid Haig interview. And we have some little behind the scenes tonight for uh, for you all. So let's uh, get right to it and introduce my co-hosts with me. We have Arpo. Hey, Arpo. How you doing? I'm doing swell and great and fine. Yeah, he was my co uh, he was my cohort in crime when we were uh, interviewing Sid Haig. Hey, I'm going to take the credit on this one. I set okay. it up. That's I know right. you did. It was me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, also with me, we have uh, our co-host as well, Olaf. Hey, Olaf, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. It's like it's going to be a good show tonight. I can, I, I already know because you can't have a bad show with Sid Haig. It can't be. It's going to be nope. awesome. You can feel it. You can feel. Can, yes, you can feel, feel it. Coming in the air tonight. And also, we have our uh, our other co-host, Kitty. Hey, Kitty, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really happy and looking forward to uh, chopping it up about this interview. Now, we're going to be hearing excerpts from the interview. And if you want to hear the full interview, you could go on to uh, to Spreaker.com. Uh, and uh, it is uh, uh, Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash Indie Radio forward slash Hit Hague Actor. And that's H-A-I-G. Now, he is one amazing person to speak to. It's like if you want to know about the ins and outs of somebody who has been in the business for a really long time and still continues to work to this day, he is the man. Would you not say Arpa? He's, he 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 is indeed. And uh, be, before we get into any of the excerpts, I just want to point out this is the kind of trooper he is. Okay? We interviewed him at 11.30 a.m. his time. Mm -hmm. He had just flown a red-eye flight from Detroit, gotten a few hours of sleep, and then got up to take our call and talk to us. Uh, his wife was very ill, so if you have a little trouble hearing him, it's because he was trying to be considerate and, you know, not, not wake her up. Yep. But you you can tell he had he had uh, a rough night and he was still he was still there and he was still charming and informative and funny and just uh, what a great person he's already said he'll come back to us sometimes so you know we're just really really excited that uh, we have this to share with you. Absolutely, and uh, and score kudos there are probably on getting him aboard there. Now, for those who Especially don't, at that good hour. For for those who don't uh, know quite who uh, Sid Haig is, can you uh, Arpo give us a little insight into him and his career? And a, a little bit earlier in the year, uh, you did a review on one of his uh, films as well from his past. Yes, that's right. I'm, I'm not going to talk about that because we actually do talk about that on one of the uh, excerpts we're going to hear a little bit later. 
But um, he has been in the business since 1960 and is still active today. He took about 10 years off where he was doing other production things. But uh, he is still active today. He has worked with such luminaries as Jack Hill, Quentin Tarantino, and currently, of course, Rob Zombie. In fact, most of you probably know him best as the clown Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Reject. But did you know he was also King Tut's Apothecary on Batman? Yep. Did you know he was also on film, on TV shows ranging from Gunsmoke to The Fall Guy, from uh, The Lucy Show to Hill Street Blues? And for those of you who are James Bond fans, he was one of the Slumber Brothers. He was one of the guys who threw James Bond into the cremation oven. You know, what so, was that? Diamonds are forever, right? Everywhere and done everything. Say what? That was diamonds are forever, right? Yeah, diamonds are forever. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really, honestly, it's like he's been a director. He's been in terms of producing. He's. It's like the, this is a man who is a veteran who has done it. And, yes. he, and it, it's like, wow, the insights that he gave in terms of even uh, which one of the clips that we'll be talking about in uh, following up on that whole thing of education as well. It's like the things that he has talked about, it's like how Hollywood has morphed over the years. It's like it just found it, like you could just sit there and listen to him for hours and going like, wow, he is like an encyclopedia of information. Yeah, I, I really felt like uh, the interview runs I believe about an yeah. hour and ten minutes and I feel like we only just scratched the surface. Oh yeah. We could have easily got another hour and ten but we were very respectful of the fact that he was in a rough situation at that point. Yes. So we, uh, it's like uh, Olaf, how, uh, how familiar also are you with Sid Haig and his work? Oh, I've seen a lot of his stuff. I actually had an opportunity at a Scarefest convention to do a little interview with him and it just just you know you great interview so uh, I've watched quite a bit of the stuff he's been in so yeah yeah I've seen a, I've seen a number of interviews with him and he never it seems like he never gives a bad interview and he loves to give back to the fans because his attitude is if it weren't for the fans, I wouldn't be here. Yep. And th that's what the greatest thing is about that. And also, so, Arpa, do you want to introduce this first clip up for us? Uh, yes. Uh, this will be clip number one. And this is basically talking about his early career and how television changed in all the years that he was on it. Uh, and how he got involved with Jack Hill, and some nice, juicy little behind-the-scenes stuff about uh, Spider-Baby, which I reviewed a few weeks ago. It's movie time, and we're back again with movie time. Hey, y'all, how are you doing? Happy Friday! It's Friday's movie time with us, and we are here back again with an incredible episode. And as promised uh, on our episode... Tonight we have our Sid Haig interview, and we have some 
little behind the scenes tonight for uh, for you all. So let's uh, get right to it and introduce my co-hosts with me. We have Arpo. Hey, Arpo, how you doing? I'm doing swell and great and fine. Yeah, he was my co- uh, he was my cohort in crime when we were uh, interviewing Sid Haig. Hey, I'm going to take the credit on this one. I set okay. it up. That's I know right. you did. It was me. <laughs> I know. And uh, also with me, we have uh, our co-host as well, Olaf. Hey, Olaf, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. It's like it's going to be a good show tonight. I can, I, I already know because you can't have a bad show with Sid Haig. It can't be. It's going to be nope. awesome. You can feel it. And you can also feel. We, yes, you can feel, feel it. coming in the air tonight. And also we have our uh, our other co-host, Kente. Hey, Kente, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really happy and looking forward to uh, chopping it up about this interview. Now, we're going to be hearing excerpts from the interview. And if you want to hear the full interview, you could go on to... Uh, to Spreaker.com uh, and uh, it is uh, uh, Spreaker.com forward slash user forward slash indie radio forward slash hit Hague actor and that's H-A-I-G now, he is one amazing person to speak to. It's like if you want to know about the ins and outs of somebody who has been in the business for a really long time and still continues to work to this day, he is the man. Would you not say Arpa? He's, he 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 is indeed. And uh, be, before we get into any of the excerpts, I just want to point out, this is the kind of trooper he is. Okay? We interviewed him at 11.30 a.m. his time. Mm-hmm. He had just flown a red-eye flight from Detroit, gotten a few hours of sleep, and then got up to take our call and talk to us. Uh, his wife was very ill, so if you have a little trouble hearing him, it's because he was trying to be considerate and, you know, not not wake her up. Yep. But you you can tell he had he had uh, a rough night and he was still he was still there and he was still charming and informative and funny and just uh, what a great person he's already said he'll come back to us sometimes so you know we're just really really excited that uh, we have this to share with you. Absolutely, and uh, and score kudos there are probably on getting him uh, aboard there. Now, for those who Especially don't, at that good hour. For for those who don't uh, know quite who uh, Sid Haig is, can you uh, Arpo give us a little insight into him and his career? And a, a little bit earlier in the year, uh, you did a review on one of his uh, films as well from his past. Yes, that's right. I'm, I'm not going to talk about that because we actually do talk about that on one of the uh, excerpts we're going to hear a little bit later. But um, he has been in the business since 1960 and is still active today. He took about 10 years off where he was doing other production things. But uh, he is still active today. He has worked with such luminaries as Jack Hill, Quentin Tarantino, and currently 
of course, Rob Zombie. In fact, most of you probably know him best as the clown Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Reject. But did you know he was also King Tut's Apothecary on Batman? Yep. Did you know he was also on film, on TV shows ranging from Gunsmoke to The Fall Guy, from uh, The Lucy Show to Hill Street Blues? And for those of you who are James Bond fans, he was one of the Slumber Brothers. He was one of the guys who threw James Bond into the cremation oven. You know, what so, was that? What was yeah, that? Uh, Diamonds are forever, right? Everywhere and done everything. Say what? That was Diamonds are forever, right? Yeah, Diamonds are forever. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really honestly, it's like he's been a director. He's been in terms of producing. He's. It's like the, this is a man who is a veteran who has done it. And, yes. he, and it, it's like, wow, the insights that he gave in terms of even uh, which one of the clips that we'll be talking about in uh, following up on that whole thing of education as well. It's like the things that he has talked about, it's like how Hollywood has morphed over the years. It's like it just found it, like you could just sit there and listen to him for hours and going like, wow, he is like an encyclopedia of information. Yeah, I, I really felt like uh, the interview runs I believe about an yeah. hour and ten minutes and I feel like we only just scratched the surface. Oh yeah. We could have easily got another hour and ten but we were very respectful of the fact that he was in a rough situation at that point. Yes. So we, uh, it's like uh, Olaf, how, uh, how familiar also are you with Sid Haig and his work? Oh, I've seen a lot of his stuff. I actually had an opportunity at a Scarefest convention to do a little interview with him and it just just you know you great interview so uh, I've watched quite a bit of the stuff he's been in so yeah yeah I've seen a, I've seen a number of interviews with him and he never it seems like he never gives a bad interview and he loves to give back to the fans because his attitude is if it weren't for the fans, I wouldn't be here. Yep. And th that's what the greatest thing is about that. And also, so, Arpa, do you want to introduce this first clip up for us? Uh, yes. Uh, this will be clip number one. And this is basically talking about his early career and how television changed in all the years that he was on it. Uh, and how he got involved with Jack Hill, and some nice, juicy little behind-the-scenes stuff about uh, Spider-Baby, which I reviewed a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. That's the end of the clip. Yep. And that was really it. It's like, that even hits just the tip of the iceberg of some of the stuff that he had talked about. It's like, it's very interesting when he talks about how it's changed and evolved over time and the fact that it's like you know being able to work against somebody like Lon Chaney Jr. oh my gosh that was one uh, like you know man of a thousand uh, faces uh, Lon Chaney his son really talented as well Lon Chaney Jr. it's like oh my gosh and 
he was just like he had the best acting people that he could possibly have with him. Yeah. And generous and giving in performance. Yes. And people Do you feel like, like maybe improvised, uh, you know, I thought I had these things are not fully so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take that from the top. Uh, from uh, he he had a lot of a lot of talented people working on that film. I thought I had included it on the clip, and I guess I cut it off too early. But he talked about how when it t- came time to film inside the house, there was no electricity. <laughs> they had no way to light the inside of the house. Yeah. So the lighting director went out and got the reflectors that they use for the outdoor shooting to, you know amplify the sunlight, brought those in, angled them with the windows so that the room was lit enough for them to film the the, the interior shots. I mean, that's kind of what he meant when, that's part of what he meant when he said that the movie was guerrilla filmmaking at its, at its finest. We don't have the equipment, you know, or we can't use the equipment we have. We find a way to make the film. And, uh... I, I got to tell you, just uh, uh, an amazing story, and I'm sorry I, I didn't get that on the clip because I, I had entirely intended to. Yep. So, and and you can hear that uh, th- this was a tired man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was really it was really really nice of him to to do the interview with us. Because, it was. You know, you know there are there are a lot of people that would just say you know what I was on uh, a red eye flight I'm barely awake uh, I'm, I'm, I can't do this let's reschedule not not him no yeah. and on top of that having somebody who it's like is not feeling well at home it's like yeah and having to and having to take care of that responsibility as well as also oh my goodness no it, it, it the insights just alone in that clip, talking about it, working with some, like I said, some of the greatest things, like the people who he had worked with. Just such a gift to hear it. Do you also uh, want to introduce for us clip number two? Okay. Uh, now, clip number two, he uh, talks a lot more about his experience uh, at, with in filmmaking school and and what he learned and also what he feels is lacking in filmmaking school. Uh, It's uh, it's a guy who has a lot of insight. So, uh, well, we'll just take a listen. Go ahead. That's the end of the clip. Yep. And that was really it. It's like, that even hits just the tip of the iceberg of some of the stuff that he he had talked about. It's like, it's very interesting when he talks about how it's changed and evolved over time. And the fact that it's like, you know, being able to work against somebody like Lon Chaney Jr. Oh my gosh. That was one, uh, like, you know, 
man of a thousand faces, uh, Lon Chaney, his son, really talented as well, Lon Chaney Jr. It's like, oh my gosh. And he was just, like, he had the best acting people that he could possibly have with him. Yeah. And generous and giving in performance. Yes. And people that like like improvise, uh, you know, I thought I had these days are not fully... So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take that from the top. Uh, from... Uh, he, he had a lot of a lot of talented people working on that film. I thought I had included it on the clip, and I guess I cut it off too early. But he talked about how when it came time to film inside the house, there was no electricity. <laughs> they had no way to light the inside of the house. Yeah. So the lighting director went out and got the reflectors that they use for the outdoor shooting to you know, amplify the sunlight brought those in, angled them with the windows so that the room was lit enough for them to film the the, the interior shots. I mean, that's kind of what he meant when, that's part of what he meant when he said that the movie was guerrilla filmmaking at its, at its finest. We don't yeah. have the equipment, you know, or we can't use the equipment we have. We find a way to make the film. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, just... Uh, uh, an amazing story, and I'm sorry I, I didn't get that on the clip because I, I had entirely intended to. Yep. So, and and you can hear that uh, that this was a tired man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was really it was really really nice of him to to do the interview with us. Because, it was. You know, you know there are there are a lot of people that would just say you know what I was on uh, a red eye flight I'm barely awake uh, I, I I can't do this let's reschedule not not him no yeah. and on top of that having somebody who it's like is not feeling well at home it's like yeah and having to and having to take care of that responsibility as well as also oh my goodness no it. it, it the insights just alone in that clip talking about it working with some like i said some of the greatest things like the people who he had worked with just such a gift to hear it do you also uh, want to introduce for us clip number two okay uh now clip number two he uh talks a lot more about his experience uh it's with in filmmaking school and, and what he learned and also what he feels is lacking in filmmaking school. Uh, it's, uh, it's a guy who has a lot of insight. So, yes. uh, well, we'll just take a listen. So that was an amazing uh, set of clips. And I mean, like the interview is over an hour long and absolutely uh, for one second is it going to be eh, boring or it's like it is a very exciting and entertaining interview what do you think that was your favorite uh, part of uh, of us that you would want to hear more about from Sid Haig Olaf well from him 
anything to do with the film industry because he, you know, he's done so much and been with it for so long. Uh, like I said, he's just just an amazing person to talk to. So there, I don't think there's any particular subject uh, about uh, bad acting or filmmaking that would uh, that I could pin down to say I'd really like him to talk about this because he's done it all. So mm-hmm. it just it's just he's just an amazing interview. And Kitty, what about you? What would you say would be the uh, if you had a tr- uh, a dream part two? A dream part two um, for uh, for Sid. You know he he's a fantastic talent. And, you know, I like to just hear about how people come to where they're at. You know, I like to the the early beginnings and everything that that, you know, led him to be what he became. So, you know, if if you give me that, I'm happy. See, and I love the fact that it's like and Arpa, what do you say about it? Um, well, it was I, I was just amazed by the whole thing uh and probably one of my favorite parts of the interview actually uh remember last year on the spotlight when we were doing you know the decades of the best films of each decade and when we got to the 80s we all of us had trouble trying to find 10 films that we really thought were great from the 80s and he said that's because in the 80s is when Hollywood started to fall apart. Yeah, which I found very interesting. Yeah, he said everything just became retreads and remakes and sequels, 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 sequels. uh, He really felt that that nothing of of too great of import uh, came out of the 80s in Hollywood. And he feel, he quite frankly feels that it's been sliding downhill ever since. Uh, he actually left the industry for 10 years because he was getting tired of, you know, he was always playing the guy with the gun. Yeah. And well, so in, in, in he, he dropped out of the business. He started working with the production company, which is where he learned about everything, producing, doing camera work, writing, you know, three to five minute short films, uh, editing, you know, he learned everything. And it's, I'd love to hear more about that because that was just, had to have been a fascinating time in his life. Also, especially the old school editing that where it's like he had to do it by hand. It's like what a different technique than it's like the way that we have it digitized by today's standards. It's like, you know, we have it easy with Adobe Premiere Pro. Yeah, cut it by hand. I had an experience of having to be able to cut 8mm by hand. And honestly, it is a completely different animal when you have to cut right on the frame. Yeah. Well, I I didn't have a I didn't have a hard time finding movies. Uh, I ran out. I, I, wait a minute, it was a lot of great movies in the eighties. I don't know about that. There was. I don't know about that one. I I might have to disagree on that one. But uh, uh, I I had okay. more of a harder I'll time. I'll just say I had trouble. <laughs> I had a harder time in the two thousands. That's when it started getting more difficult. You know, to the eighties, it was wonderful movies. Back to the Future. I mean, I can just go on and on. Well, yes, 
there are wonderful ones, but one of the things that was very poignant about it is the fact that it's like when he was talking about film schools taking themselves too seriously. You know, it's like it, it, it's going a little bit about our discussion that we were having a little bit earlier in regards to film schools. It's like, yes, some of them do take it way too far of serious, even though they, as I mentioned earlier on the spotlight, that yes, they present a utopian society. However, that being said, film schools also do start taking themselves too seriously. It's like it, it starts becoming one of those things of instead of the filmmaking process, it starts becoming a, a uh, more like the American Idol competition of who's who and who gets what. Yeah, a lot, there, and I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying all film schools. But there are quite a few people who come out of a film school feeling like, you know, I went to film school. I shouldn't have to work hard at this. It should just come to me. And the point that I think he made very clear is that nothing comes to you without hard work. Yep. So get off your high, your high horse and work. And if that means you're going to be holding the microphone boom for a while, then that's what you're going to be doing. But to never give up. Yeah. I mean, Look at his situation, starving, no place to live. You know, did did he quit? A lot of people would have, because that happens yep. to a lot of people. And I'll, that's that, that's why, you know, uh, Kenta, you were saying you, you know, a lot of people go to film school and then you never hear from them again. It It's because they don't realize that when they, until after they graduate, just how hard it is to get a start. Yeah. And you can't give up and that's what so many people do and i feel that's probably the best advice he gave in the entire interview now yeah. one one thing that does come easy to you are those armenian brides yes yes no, uh, I, but... I can't get enough of them <laughs> <laughs> Arpo has the Armenians, I have the Ukrainians. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to be like, yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> but I have to I, I have to split the Armenians with uh, next week's guest, actually, I found yes. out. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. With our next Friday's guest. And, and that's okay. It's like, and... Uh, I'm sure that the, that the two of you can fight it out with each, uh, with each other in regards <laughs> to that. Yes. And one of the most important and fun things, though, that we did learn also from Sid, it's like when he talked about, you know, Roger Corman, it was interesting because both Roger Corman, Lloyd uh, Kaufman, they're people who it's like they gave a lot of people their start yes. in Hollywood. And they did it under uh, guise of movies that it's like, well, what we now call B-movies. But at the time, it was just low-budget movies yeah. meant to entertain. It's like they weren't meant to be taken seriously. Yeah. Quick, quick vote. Who heard of Francis Ford Coppola before The Godfather? He worked with Roger Corman. Yes. And they uh, made a movie. He was assistant director for a movie called The Raven. Yep. 
and it had Jack Nicholson and uh, Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, Vincent Price, and he had, you know, Corman had hired the actors for different amounts of times based on the movie. And when the movie was finished, he still had three days with Jack Nicholson and one day with Boris Karloff, and he turned to Coppola and said, you want to make a movie? Go ahead. Yep. And he made The Terror, which is considered to be one of the better Roger Corman films. Is Roger Corman still alive? Yes. Roger Corman, yes, he's still alive. Right, we need yes. to do another. Uh, I'm gonna do another segment on the spotlight. Uh, are they are they dead or alive? Because some of these people, I knew they died a long time ago, and I'm totally wrong. I think it's that uh, Mandela effect. <laughs> yeah, we all thought he was dead. He was just languishing in prison. Oh, if only we'd known. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do a show on that too. Think what that South Africa would be today if we had known that he was still there. Right. One of the things that I would like us to keep in mind, like I said, people like Lloyd, people like Roger Corman, it's like there wouldn't be a Vince Vaughn if it wasn't for Lloyd Kaufman. There wouldn't be an Oliver Stone. He gave Oliver Stone his first start. Yeah. So it's like, This goes back to the whole mentoring thing you were talking about uh, on the spotlight. Well, if you could, you know, film school is important to learn the basics, but once you leave film school, you can find a mentor that's going to save you a lot of steps towards yes. making a success. Amen. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to find Michael Anderson and uh, Nigel Wool and people and all of the many, many wonderful people in the industry. And I was saying the other day uh, on Movie Time when we were talking about it, it's like hearing that uh, interview with Sherry Lansing. I want to be her when I grow up. Honest to goodness, because if I could have half of her accomplishments in life, I would be completely thrilled to pieces. I would have considered. I, would have I will said, consider hey, it a I whole up, but I don't want to shave my head. How's that? Okay. <laughs> so, and that's where uh, that's where it's interesting because it's like with, as I said. Being getting the chance to hear it from a mentor, uh, a person who, who is a mentor. That's yeah. priceless. You know, it he is. is just absolutely uh, brilliant, and I am so glad that we had a chance to be able to interview him. Great and interview. That being said, I encourage you all to please listen to the interview because it is an awesome one. You, it's like those who are looking to step into the industry this is textbook information this is uh, this is parts of things that again you won't learn in a classroom the stuff that he is uh, that he speaks about yeah exactly this is the stuff that it's like and this is why I talk about like I said the uh, the webinar that uh, series that we're doing the thing uh, that what they didn't teach you in film school because there is a lot that they don't teach you in film school mm-hmm. and it's not because they don't want to and no it is it, it's like it's not quite so hidden anymore but at the same time it's also not as forthcoming as you, uh, as you're led to believe either 
the information. It is very much a hunt and seek game. Yeah. Of information, and it's the and I absolutely agree with Sid's comment as well that it's like the reason why people have not been uh, it's like that they are not successful. It's not because they're not successful; they gave up too soon. Yeah. And I agree with that statement 100%. You give up too soon. You know, it's like you don't try and strive to find out what you don't know you don't know. Then, of course, you're going to have that uh, happen. So that being said, I encourage you all, please, to listen to this great interview. Because, like I said, for those of you who are really into uh, wanting to understand the film industry, he is classic textbook. Yep. He is. And I look forward to our second interview with him, and hopefully we will all be there to be able to do that. Yes. Maybe this time we'll even be able to work out something where he can be with us live on the air so that if you listeners have any questions. Yes. That'd be dope. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Just giving you... We can make it happen. And also, coming up on Wednesday's show, we have uh, N- uh, Nadia Bruce coming as well. And on Friday's show, uh, who we had mentioned that we are looking at is uh, our guest on, fr- on Friday will probably be, uh, and hopefully be, Liron Artsy. Uh, the return of Liron Artsy. Part 2. So for all of you who haven't heard that, please listen to part one. It's like it was great, and there's a gajillion more questions to have to ask in uh, from him, them. That being said, let's uh, wrap through. So Olaf, how do we get the, uh, you in social media? Well, you can stalk me on both Facebook and Twitter, but just don't stalk too close because I do get nervous, and I do have an itchy trigger finger. <laughs> And, Arpo, how do we get you in social media? Well, if you want to get to me socially, you get to me on Facebook. If you want to talk business, check out my LinkedIn page. And if you just want to hang out with me on the forums at uh, the Movies Underground, that can be fun, too. Or you just want to chat, I'll, I'll let you talk to me on Skype. But make sure you let me know that you are a fan of movie time because I get too many invitations of marriage from Armenian women. Also, make sure that as well, it's like to tune in on all of the episodes of movie time and all of those new and exciting interviews that are going to be popping up in between as well. And also, Kente, how do they get a hold of you in social media? You can get me on Twitter at KenteF. You can go to our website, IndieRadio.org. That's IndyRadio.org. And I have a question. Am, am I strange because I'm really excited about the Twin Peaks reboot or no. sequel or whatever? I can't wait. I just wanted to throw that in there. I want to see if it. I want to see if it's going to be a reboot, a remake, or a pick it up where we left off because it ended on a bit of a cliffhanger. I know, Actually, right? Actually, a lot of the original cast are coming back, so I hope so. Is is Laura Palmer going to be in it? I, I, uh, how? I don't know how, but they'll figure out a way. I love David Lynch, by the way. But anyway, sorry. No, that's great. 
And also, uh, it's like in social media-wise, you can reach me on LinkedIn, Visipedia, on www.pastlifesproductionsinc, on, uh, as well on most social media in terms of uh, Twitter, at Sonata Grayson, at Movie Time Indie, as well as also uh, through various forms of social media. And as I often say, I have four pages of footprint on the internet, so if you can't find me, you're just not stalking me hard enough. She's Time like get- Santa Claus. She's everywhere! She's everywhere! And I see you when you're sleeping, and I know when you're awake. Oh, God. Now I'm scared. Yes, yes Santa's a stalker, so I, uh, I can do that same sort of thing. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> please join us again on Wednesday and uh, for another episode of Movie Time. And as I said, our guest will be Nadia Bruce. And so bring forth all of yon sales questions uh, for us and also uh, as another friendly rem- uh, announcement we are soon to have another theme for movie time it's like yes we are going to be revealing our, our brand new theme so if you thought uh, that our old theme was awesome just wait to uh, hear the new reveal and with that being said we love y'all and we'll see you again at movie time